1: But he was super motivated to sell at that point. He he essentially had to get them done. Um, he He was gonna lose a couple of other things if he didn't if he didn't wasn't able to shift these. So I ended up picking them up for 88 grand a unit and picked them up for 440 for the lot.
0: This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with award-winning property investor of the year, Sam Gordon. With a track record of 20 properties under the age of 30, we'll learn about purchasing properties in packs, how applying strata tiling generate over $150,000 of equity and why it literally pays to know people. To kick things off, Gordon recaps the story of how he found the original 4 pack of units in a regional town and how that led to this purchase of the pack of 5.
1: This was a funny one. So when I went for my little kind of round Australia almost trip, looking at <laughs> looking at property, um, this was one of the ones that I actually went to have a look at uh, originally. So it was overpriced. I tried to work it really, really hard to get it for the right money, um, and it just didn't come together. And off the back of this one, that's when I was brought the the, the original four pack that I bought, um, who was yeah from from the same the same vendor, but it, that one needed a little bit of work, and he didn't he didn't want to put the capital in into it to uh, which would have had to have been his own money to then split it with his with his uh, wife that he was you know, getting divorced with. So this one was already in pretty good nick. It didn't actually need the renovation works or or not you know no time in the in the immediate you know f- uh, future was was any renovation works really required. Um, so really this one was just being picked up as a, I was trying to just get it below market. This was this was the one that was all in one line. So it hadn't been individually titled yet. So there was a bit of opportunity there for a bit of a, you know forcing some value on the on the asset as well. But he was overpriced. Um, so at the time I think he was chasing about, what was he chasing? He was chasing over 600,000, I think, for for each one. So yeah, for about 120,000, 125,000 a unit, I think he, it was his aim, was his intention to try and pick them up for, um, which in my opinion is probably what the renovated properties would be worth. You know, around about that 125 is a renovated property value and that's individually titled which these ones weren't yet so the value wasn't there in the deal he was overpriced um, and he ended up pulling pulling them off the market um, with the intention that he was going to keep them and, and potentially renovate an individual title himself I think the plan was he was going to buy them by you know his partner his, his ex-wife out for these deals so but that obviously didn't come to fruition.
0: Yeah, unfortunately for him, and, and we did talk about it in, in detail the last episode about that. It was quite an interesting thing that happened there, and, and interestingly, thing you know, it sat there for six months, right? And, and, and he couldn't, you know, sell it, so he took it off the market, brought it back on, and you know, still no one. And what's fascinating is at that point in time, you know, there's so many political changes. Election had come, COVID hit. <laughs> So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't good timing. So, you came in and you said, look, you know, I'm willing to take these on because I purchased your other set here. Would you consider this?
1: That's pretty much the way it worked and it was, it was funny because it was when I was down and renovating, um, renovating the other two. So, I'd, I'd already renovated the first two of the other units and I was going down and renovating the second two and that's when I called the agent up. I was actually looking for, for a deal for one of my clients um, and when I was there, I picked up another deal for one of my clients. It was a, it was a similar kind of set up to my first the first one i'd purchased so it was um it was three at the front and then a, a three better at the three two betters at the front and then a, a three better at the back and then um and i said to i said to the agent when we bought this one so were, that was that one was off market as well um, and then i said to the agent when we bought when we bought that one i said what about that old five pack that fella had what do you ever do with them and he, and he just kind of gave me this bit of a long-winded story about everything that was going on and uh and then he kind of got to the end of it and he goes, So in the end he didn't he didn't sell it, he thought he was gonna try and keep it. Um and I go, oh maybe yeah hit him up and see what he see what he wants to do with him. And then when he hit the when he hit the owner up, he goes, Oh mate, I've been thinking about corn now, all this stuff going on at the moment, and I'm thinking about cutting them. And he goes, Well mate, I've got this young fella here who bought the last set off you. He goes, you know, like what do you what do you reckon? What are you willing to do them for? And he was still trying to get um he was still trying to get in the very high, uh the very high uh what was he trying to get? I think he was trying to get Five, it was it was around like 500 550 or something like that. Like it was it was um it was pretty crazy money what he was kind of chasing for an unrenovated product uh, that wasn't individually titled. And they were probably worth even unreno. they they have sold before around about that, um probably around 105 to 110k per unit. Um so still, he probably wasn't too far off the mark when he was talking around about that, you know, mid, low to mid fires around that five twenty to five fifty. Um, but he was super motivated to sell at that point. He he essentially had to get them done. Um, he was he was gonna lose a couple of other things if he didn't if he didn't wasn't able to shift these. So I ended up picking them up for eighty eight grand a unit and picked them up for four forty for the lot.
0: He must have been going. Oh crap <laughs> but no, I mean I think it's a win-win situation when you think about it because you know, if he didn't sell up and get some cash here, he would have been in more trouble for the other things that he was, you know, motivated to do.
1: That's it. Yeah, he was running into his issues, man. He, he wanted $1, he, just, he was never going to get it so he had to He had to be, re- if you wanted to actually sell him, he had to be realistic about it and just take, you know, take essentially what was on the table.
0: Absolutely and that's that's market, you know, if, if you meet the market, you have a sale. If you don't, then you hold on to it for the next 12 months, you know, a year, more, more plus. So...
1: Yeah, that's it, man. That's it.
0: Fantastic. All right. So now you purchased them. um, Let's talk a little bit about the differences. So, we're comparing the four pack that you purchased and the four pack that you purchased of those units, four units already had titled on them, which is great. So, that was very easy for you to actually go in, just do the renovations and then rent them out. But this particular five pack, as you said, it's on a one title. Just curious first, let's paint the picture of um, how big was this block? Uh, I guess five out of the five. How many were renovated or not renovated? You know all that kind of details. Maybe just paint that picture first.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the older block, sorry, the other block, um, which was older, the the four the four pack. It was a it was around about nineteen sixties build, I think. Whereas this one was a nineteen eighties build, so it was newer. It was still original. Um, some of them had had slightly updated. Um, bathrooms and slightly updated floorings and whatnot but all the kitchens were still original but they were bigger units um so i think oh, i couldn't even tell you what what kind of square meters they were i, I can't even remember um but these ones these ones are quite quite big and spacious um uh, units so they were yeah they were pretty good on, on that side of things and um yeah still, still in pretty good nick definitely didn't need any work um didn't have the old shag pile carpet like the other ones the other ones it had um definitely didn't have any peeling roofs or anything like they were as is, um, yeah, the only the only difference was that all five of these were two betters, whereas the other one had the one three-better at the back. Um, and yeah, that was still that was still all on one title, still all running on one title at that point.
0: Yeah, great. So now that you've actually purchased that and it's got one title and, the, you know, units are, are they fully tenanted at this point in time?
1: I think there was one or two vacant at that point when I bought it. I think a tenant might have been going into one of them at the point and and, and one of them, the rear one was vacant because I remember we went around and uh, we went around and, and had a good look through all of them. Yeah, the rear one was vacant.
0: Okay. So, at this point in time, did you actually just purchase it with one of the vacant and you're just waiting to do renovations on it or did you actually like, you know, get tenants all into all of them?
1: Yeah, look, the, the intention was I was thinking about going down there and doing the other reno. Um, but I was getting busy, like I was quite busy in the business at the time and it was it was kind of different timing compared to when I'd done the last renovation. Um, so I wasn't able to kind of get the time off. So all I decided to do was just to just to lease it out um, and we're still getting good rents on them. So I wasn't I wasn't too perturbed because it was in a because they were bigger, bigger units, and because it was in a bit of a better part of town as well. It was quite close to the city center, um, this one. So yeah, we rented it like they rented out at quite quite good rents for what they were in terms of purchase price. Price as well.
0: Fantastic. All right. So you weren't able to get down to do the rents. Then what did you actually do, do on the property then since then? Because you've obviously been busy, but you've been busy shuffling some paperwork from what I hear.
1: Yeah, I did. So these ones, um, this one was good. So this is the ones that I, I put through and actually individually titled them. Um, and it was quite an interesting process because uh, I've done I've done uh, other developments before, small developments as well, but I'd never actually done strata titling um, across a, a set of units. And the, the beauty of, 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 I guess the process is learning all the different people you can speak to and, 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 really finding guns in their field at different things, which is something I kind of pride myself in the billiard is going and finding people that are really bloody good to work with. And I came across this town planner. Um, he actually came to me through my property manager. He was a, he was kind of a friend of the property manager and he wasn't really doing any small sales scale stuff anymore. He was, he was kind of more into, um, uh, like some some kind of larger lot, subdivisions and some of his own works and stuff he was almost like retired from really helping other people so much but he did it to me because my property manager was managing both my blocks and he, and he helped me out and he goes oh, I should just speak to this guy he's been in the area for like three years he knows he knows it like back of his hand and he knew about um, a certain way of titling them that no one else was uh, really none of the other uh, town planners that I'd spoken to had let let me in on and or maybe didn't have, I, I don't even think they really knew it was a fact that at that point in time they weren't making us do um, fire ratings through to the ceilings. So the other the other block that I bought that had been individually titled about five years before, they'd made them put the fire rated rock through to the roof. Um, there'd been a legislation change and they weren't going to the same sort of extremes of allowing to, to, to do them at that point and essentially they were allowing you to put it in without the fire rating all the way through to the roof. Um, Yeah, it was a bit of a different, bit of a different sort of, bit of a different setting. But really what it came back to was. They changed the law to allow it to be passed as um, almost like grandfathered, right? They approved it way back when in the day. The council approved it way back when in the day, and they were happy to approve it based on the same, uh, you know, the same conditions and everything, and the, the same, the same, I guess, planning laws that were in place all the way back then. So we we're able to kind of get a grandfather and a push you on that side of things. Now that one phone call and and being able to speak to that fella. Between five units, that's four fire ratings through the ceiling that I was going to have to pull, uh, put through, save me about fifteen thousand um, dollars, not having to to go down that avenue.
0: That's what I was going to say because that cost, yeah, it makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, well, that's it, man. And, and this is one of the things. Like, I, I I actually factored into my numbers, and I said to the, it was one of my one of my key negotiating tactics was that I was like, man, I'm going to have to put fire rating through the ceilings here. (laughs) I find out after I bought it, I didn't have to. That was just extra extra cream in the deal. It was extra fat in the deal. So I was laughing on that one.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I've been through that stage as well because when I was looking at doing the renovations for my units down where I've got a property in Victoria, I I wanted to actually subdivide those two units above and they said to me, look, if you want to do it, you're going to have to put fire rating in and plus because it is a 1960s, 1950s building as well too. It's been renovated on the external, so it looks good on that side of things. But internally, it didn't match any of the fire ratings. So they said, look, if you were to do it properly, you'd have to actually put a double rate at war. And she said, it's five grand there, you know, 15k there for five, that's five grand each. Mine would have cost about 10k because we had to actually redo and restructure a lot of things. So that's that's a big, big difference. And especially in these regional towns. You can't see these walls.
1: <laughs> it's so true, mate. Honestly, and a lot of the regional towns um, to get trades to do that sort of stuff as well can be quite expensive. And, and trying to find the right guys to do it, it, it's, it can be yeah, it can be a bit of a headache. So to be able to work around that one, I was, I was pretty happy to say the least.
0: Coming up after the break. Gordon explains how his five units were originally a commercial loan.
1: I was max borrowing capacity as well in terms of any sort of decent mainstream lender that probably would have done me up to four like on the last one but yeah, being when you go into five, pretty much all five plus um, unit blocks, they all fall under that commercial lending space.
0: How he loves investing in regional areas.
1: One beautiful part of investing regionally is your land component. Your actual rateable land value is very low being in a regional area.
0: He shares what's next on his to-do list.
1: For now, if, if any other good deals like that come up, they'll be they'll be going towards the client base. Um, I'm looking back towards I'm in mean a couple of, a couple of capital cities at the moment, picking up a few very select um, different different properties that we're you know making some good margins on the way in on and, and kind of manufacturing really good yields on.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property story. interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day everyday. When you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. Jordan shares how long the fire ratings took him to get approved, and if it's all done and dusted yet at this point.
1: That's all gone through. That's all stamped. Um, the whole reason I do them like that as well is I can pull, I can refi the capital back out back out of the deal. So you buy, I buy them all one line, individually title them, and then I'm able to pull the capital back out of the deal. So yeah, that that was. Um, I got canceled approval. That. that was that was a few months ago. Actually, that I got that one through. So um, it took. It was a, it was a couple of months process. The the town planner had to engage a surveyor to to actually survey, survey the sites and everything. We had to get that through. Um, we had to get those plants stamped by council and get them through land titles as well to get it kind of all stamped and all crossed off on and t- you know ticked off on and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, it was it was a good few months kind of process, but it was uh, it was definitely a good result on the back end of it as well.
0: <laughs> That's great. And all you had to do was pick up the phone, right, and just call people. <laughs>
1: Pretty much, yeah. He, I think he charged me. What did He charge me in the end. I think he charged me about it was about three and a half grand or something with, with his costs, and then he just he just kind of sent me the bills when they came through from like the surveyor and everyone and and land uh, titles and whatnot. And he, he pretty much handled the whole process. It was it was it was perfect.
0: That is so good.
1: Pays to know people, right? Like that literally came from the from the the, uh, the property manager who, who'd known this guy since they were kids, and uh, because the property manager was managing my nine units and, and my other clients four units and then we we're looking at picking some pick, pick pick some other deals up in there as well. Like he knew it was continued business. So he was hoping yeah, he was looking after me and you know it all goes around full circle, you know, looking after him, you know, keeping the managements and whatnot. So
0: For sure. He'd be stoked now. He'd be like, Yep, Sam, you're your your client for life now.
1: Man, literally he rings me off markets. He 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 prospects his clients that are that own the unit blocks to try and bring them to me. It's mad. It's so good.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's the power of networking and the power of actually having these relationships and that's why Sam, you know, from the last episode, you said that's so key to actually have these relationships. My gosh, it, it <laughs> awesome. So now, you've got five units. Um, what's, what's been the process next? You said that you've already gone back to the bank, have you, to, to refinance already?
1: Yeah, man, I've already put them through. Yeah, put them through the bank. Once the titles pretty much came out, I just ordered the revals and, and got them done because I know I was tracking what they were selling for in the area as well. And most of the sales for that similar sort of product was um, was up around about 110000 Um For that size unit, about 110,000 unrenovated, about 135 renovated, because they they were quite they were quite big these ones. um, Because I was able to refi them onto individual loans, being the five units, um, that was a commercial lending, and then being able to bring them back to individual loans that brought it back to residential lending. So I brought out a you know I pulled out a bulk of my money and obviously had had a much lower interest rate you know to go with it as well.
0: You said that it was originally a commercial loan. So how how did that work first? So firstly, when you purchase just the five was that put on a commercial loan initially?
1: You can get some lenders that will go um resi up to four units on one title, depending on depending on where they're located. Um but yeah, like I was I was max borrowing capacity as well in terms of any sort of decent mainstream lender that probably would have done me up to four like on the last one but yeah being when you go into five pretty much all five plus um unit blocks they all fall under that commercial lending space so yeah i just kind of put them through that the uh put the loan through a, a commercial and then once it was all done um the, and the the um the individual titling had gone through then we, we did the refi process and withdrew the money
0: and how how hard was that
1: if we had time to do the um Uh, to do the actual uh, renovation as well. Obviously, I would have been able to force more and pull it back out. But um, yeah, work has got me busy enough in the business man sourcing other people's deals. So, I'll have to save that reno for another day.
0: Don't worry. You don't need to touch that one for now. If it's getting good income, you've already refinanced, you know, you got 90 days later to to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. So does that mean that every single uh, unit now has its own individual title which means its own individual loans which is under your names or each individual one or whichever entity you've chosen? Is that how that works?
1: Yeah, I trade them through, through entities so one, one beautiful part of investing regionally is your land component, your actual rateable land value is very low being in a regional area. Um, so I like to, chop. So, so the beautiful part of that is if you have it in say in a trust, your land tax component is gonna be very, very low, but you have that added benefit of having it in, in, in a trust an arms length from you as well, as you know, tax benefits of being able to distribute you know, your profits wherever you wherever you want. Um, so yeah, like I, I, hold, I hold those assets definitely in, in trust.
0: Great. Yeah, obviously, we're not giving any legal advice but that's very interesting just to be able to understand how that strata tiling process works because it's it's also a fascinating part like if you can buy a block of units like what Sam's done and then split them up individually, there is actually quite, it's quite a lucrative way of doing it and as you've just heard, if you find the right people, it's actually not too um, time-consuming to do because you, you rely very heavily on other people to help you to do that. And obviously, you know, now that you've drawn out, you've got a lot more equity, you can actually pull that funds out to go and invest into other properties or other more deals that you've said.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. That's exactly, that's it. You want to keep, it's like that, uh, it's like the velocity of money, right? Like how, 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 is it staying stagnant or are you able to pull it out and keep putting it into more deals? So, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's hugely important to, to not get too tied up with any transaction to be able to pull those funds back out and keep moving forward
0: for sure. So, I'm also curious about the other deal that you got for your client, another block of units. What are those like? Just tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, that was a little bit different. Um, funnily enough, so the, the unit... It wasn't all units. So there was a little two-bedroom house at the front that had been renovated, um, and then there was two two-bedroom units and then a three-bedroom unit at the back. They were all in pretty original condition barring. The house was had actually had a, some some um, renovations through it. Um, it had a new bathroom, new kitchen, and nicely polished floors and whatnot. Uh, one of the units had updated flooring and whatnot throughout, but then the others were they were pretty pretty original, pretty standard. Uh, and that was three hundred and seventy-four thousand for those. Um for yeah the two bedroom house, two two bedroom units and a big three better at the back. So pretty similar numbers to my first one. Just the front one's a house, not a unit. So um, and that obviously draws a little bit higher rent having the um that front one being uh, you know being a house not a unit and being detached from the others as well.
0: Yeah. So does that mean then potentially that an investor yeah, I don't know if there's any potential, but you could subdivide that one, right, and then sell off the house at the front, and then just keep the units. Is that? Do you think that's possible for something like that?
1: Well, it's exactly it is exactly the same as the other units. So when you strata title the other units, um, like my five pack, I could sell all those off individually now if I wanted to, and it'd be the same with the same with their scenario as well. You could definitely strata title. It'd be it'd be the similar. Um, you could do the strata strata or community title um, all of them off individually, and yeah, definitely sell the house off.
0: Yeah, it's very unusual to hear a house with some units on the back, though. I don't really.
1: It was a different deal, man. It was it was very different, eh? Hey? But it was cool.
0: <laughs> Do you know how come that came about? Was it something like that they had a block of land and you know the owners just purchased all of them and it just bundled in a unit on there.
1: No, it was uh, it was a it was an old builder, an old like Italian builder or something back in the day. He, they lived in the front house he and his wife and his his kids, I think. And then they built the uh, they were just additional, uh, you know, uh, income stream. They built the two yeah the two two and the three bedder and it was just it was just seen as additional income. They had their their little yard fenced off, and and then they the others had had kind of free reign of the the rear area. So it was yeah it was cool. It was, it was different. It was definitely a different prospect to uh to, to either of mine, but it was yeah it was cool, and they they were very happy with the deal. They they flew down. I'm um, to a nearby airport and and uh, and drove over and had a look at them and yeah they were very impressed as well so it was it was good man it was a good deal.
0: So as I was saying Sam what what's next for you um, now that you've you've already titled um, got your titles for the five pack you've got four units already renovated downstairs so you've got total nine down in this regional town what's next for you
1: i've probably got enough exposure, exposure in this little regional town for now um, i do love the place and there's obviously some really good returns but for, yeah for now if, if any other good deals like that come up they'll be they'll be going towards the client base um, i'm looking back towards i'm in mean, a couple of a couple of capital cities at the moment picking up a few very select um, different different properties that we're you know making some good margins on the way in on and, and kind of manufacturing really good yields on so I'm kind of working in that space at the moment just looking to continually add some some uh, some cash flow into the portfolio and just kind of keep building that in as well.
0: Okay well I mean you've got quite a number of properties in your portfolio at this point in time just wondering like I guess how do you know at what time do you actually switch out and do a different play because this is the challenge like you know, you, you say for example at the beginning, you, you accumulate por- uh, portfolio of properties. For example, the client that we talked to in the previous episode was accumulate say 7 properties and that you know, is the accumulation phase but when do you get to a point where you go okay, we might need maybe you know, cash flow property or we should get another growth property. How do you know when those times are right and then you know, fit that into the portfolio?
1: It's either for me personally or for a client.
0: For you personally.
1: For me personally, um, I'm probably at the point where I I have enough equity in the portfolio that I'm, I'm. So I run development deals like I always have a development play on the go at any one time because I just like to have a a big chunk deal kind of churning in the background at any one time but I like to pick up um, the high cash flow deals in in good capital city locations but I'm kind of more targeting the cash flow side now. Um, It's not so much for me about the rinse and repeat of of equity and continually pulling equity out and rolling it. Um, I did that in probably the first 6 or 7 years of my portfolio Um, at the moment like at the point that I'm in now I'm, I'm probably more geared towards still picking up good strong assets uh, in good locations but making sure they have a good cash flow that goes with them as well and i'm kind of yeah I'm, I'm picking up a lot of those at the moment um well not a lot of those but I've, I've been picking up a few of those and that's probably the strategy going forward let's keep building the income base like a lot of the deals we're doing at the moment on an 80 percent lender uh, are over 15 you know 15 dollars plus per annum positive in a capital city um i'm more than happy to pick yeah i'm more than happy to pick you know two or three of those up every year while I'm just running the business and just, you know, run a few of those on the side every year and um, I'm happy with that and my development, you know, every – I kind of start one every 18 to 24 months just kind of keep running those, keep picking up my high cash flow deals and I'm happy with that, mate. <laughs> just keep building other people's portfolios, you know. <laughs> That's what I love.
0: Oh, I love that. It's it's fantastic to be able to hear that, you know, amazing side of things because when you get to that stage, it's a completely different ball game. As you said, you know, it's using your equity to be able to do that. So, from what I'm gathering, you're leveraging your equity to be able to just buy these you know, development sites, do the development deal and then you keep and hold those developments or do you sell off some of those to pay down things?
1: It really depends on what they are. There um, cert- there's certain deals that I do hold on to. So, if I develop certain properties that are that are going to have a good cash flow attached to them as well, um, I'll always look to retain those if possible. But um, probably, yeah, it's, it's 50-50. So, 50% of the deals I'll, I'll hold and then the other 50%, I'll, I'll flip them back to the market. Um, and... the the funds that I had into that development to roll that, you know, to to start and complete that development, I keep them rolling into another development to keep the, the the cash profits coming. Um, Or if I, if I hold that deal, I refinance my capital back out and and keep moving. Um, But the profits, if I ever like when, when I take the, the profits out during a sale, almost every single time I go and dump that into a high cash flow asset. Because if I can go and take $150,000, $200,000 from a, from a small development um, and I can go and dump that into two high cash flow deals that each one's producing me 15,000 plus positive every, every year I'm throwing another $30,000, you know, passive income into the portfolio. I, I don't really see how you lose on that side of things. So it takes a while to get to this point in the portfolio. I think the foundations are hugely important to build first. Um, you need to walk into a strong growth cycle with with a good little portfolio of properties to then get to the stage that I'm at now. And um, yeah, I, I honestly think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good strong path forward moving down that avenue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I got this saying from one of my mentors is buy some, build some, keep some and sell some." <laughs> So yeah, that's, what, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing because you know, you're, you're developing it or building it and then you're putting the money back in to be able to keep some of these that generate the positive cash flow. So yeah, it, it's it's so true. I mean it's such simple fun, fundamental foundations behind all of this but I think a lot of people just get confused because there's just so much that goes on. In, in actual fact, like maybe if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners time-wise, like how much time do these kind of things take because I know you've got multiple clients on the go, you're helping them find all these deals. It's probably, you know, taking a majority of time but a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes. People don't even know realistically how long things take. How, how long does it actually take you to actually put together a deal like, you know, for example, like a cash flow deal that you found for that one?
1: The cash flow deals, I probably put together um, probably like one max two cash flow deals a month is probably realistically what I put together Um, just because to find, to to get the highest return on investment, to get the deals that really spit off a huge amount of positive cash flow, I need to find that deal below market. And to find that deal below market to start with is is a lot of work in itself. And then from there, um, obviously then I'm manufacturing the additional yield on top of it as well through through different strategies. So um, there's definitely a lot of work involved in that side of things. Um, And you know, all the deals do take time. Like it doesn't matter what I'm working on. Um, yeah, I, I'm working, Yeah, I work very hard on, on each deal to make sure it's got you know plenty of fat in it. Definitely. I, I, I kind of pride this when I say this to my clients. I'm quite proud of saying this when I say to my clients, um, that a deal will never pop up in your email or I'm never going to call you about a deal that I wouldn't buy myself. Um, and I think with the portfolio I've built, I'm pretty confident. I've got a pretty strong portfolio myself. Um, if I wouldn't buy a deal, you know, or if I'm bringing a deal to a client, uh, I'm pretty confident in in that deal as well and that that it's something that they should be buying, um, something that's got really good merit to it, good capital uh, on the way in and good cash flows associated with it as well. So,
0: yeah and that's what I love about working with you as well too Sam is because your due diligence process is obviously got to where you are now with your portfolio that you've built up and if you haven't done all that kind of stuff, you know, it's very hard for you to be able to offer that kind of, you know, skill set to be able to give to your clients because, you know, you haven't done it if you haven't, you know. So I think that's the great thing about what you've done is you've actually been on the ground, you've actually been there, you know, getting involved in the renovations, speaking to the agents and really, really negotiating the best you can not only just for yourself but you've been doing it for your clients and that has, you know, truly, truly shown because through all these stories that you share with me, a lot of them have been so, so interesting that they just go, wow, you know, I don't know how, how you pull those off. <laughs>
1: Mate, all good things take time right and i think um all good deals that you know they take a lot of it's not even a lot of people think you know it's once you find the deal but so often like i, I literally would negotiate until the property goes unconditional um yeah pretty much any of my clients I'm, I'm literally i keep working on a deal like that like, sometimes give them a call and say by the way we just got you know this much extra off it and um i think they love that that i i because i do that for my own stuff right like i, I literally it's like fighting to the death until that thing goes unconditional anything's still on the table
0: you learned a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I will continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. Also did you know when you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Having a solid plan is the difference between success and failure. Simply visit AustralianPropertyScout.com.au and fill out the contact form or text 0499881040 and quote APS. Thanks for listening.
1: only from rustolium